Genesis 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Verse 31, and God saw and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. You may be saying to yourself, why didn't I choose a different text that would have better coincided with my topic for this morning. My topic is blame shifting. You may be saying to yourself, well, she could have chose Genesis chapter three where Adam and Eve ate the apple and then they started pointing fingers and blaming each other back and forth. But I'm not speaking of that type of blame shifting. I'm speaking of that internal dialogue that we have with ourselves conversation that we think no one has the capacity to tune into, not even God. I'm talking about this constant run-of-the-mill, nearing insanity thought process that we undergo when we feel like things are not panning out the way that they should. That time when we pridefully equate that God must be reigning on the unjust right now. I'm talking about that forever wind undercurrent whispering denial, hatred, and unbelievable commentary in your ear about everyone else, everything, and even ourselves. This ongoing relentless exchange where you can't get a word in edgewise but feel like you've been cursed by your own conscience. When we find ourselves on our knees and in the midst of our prayer, we find our minds wandering into he said, she said, they made me cry. When, when we are faced with issues and we simply cannot find a common resolve without putting someone else in the fire, when we forget, when we neglect to realize, when it hurts too badly to accept the obligation of responsibility and force ourselves away from our divine recognition, we blame shift. With rumors of war becoming dead bodies at your door. When family dissension have become the golden rule. Children are no longer taught to respect. They are hoped to somehow fall into it. When colored money is no longer a worry, not having it all together is the main issue. Separation of church and state has now emerged into a dominant force in schools, taxes, and lawmaking. Televisions can now see into your home. Equality, even with a colored White House, is still a thing yet sought after. Teachers do not teach. Preachers do not preach. Parents are afraid of their offsprings. Children hate themselves. Women hate their spouses. Men have more than one. And life has become a living hell. Why? Because no one is willing to say enough 
is enough. And why is that? Because no one wants to really be responsible for the power invested in us as claimed Christians. Well, I'm simply saying we can no longer ride the coattails of claiming Christianity without consciously living it day to day. I joke with my mother all the time else that's around me and say to them, look, if I ever became an Adventist minister, phenomenal success overnight, boom. Soon as I walk in, this is, look, my name is Megan McGlover. I'm the niece of so-and-so, the grandniece of so-and-so, the granddaughter of so-and-so, and if my mother has not already told you, I'm her child. So therefore, give me a church. And that would work with people who believe in parasite living. But that's not going to work with real Christianity. We will find ourselves at the wayside of reality in this war if we are forever claiming Christianity without the actualization of fruit. Christianity by association. I'm not going to go into whether we're saved or not simply by claiming Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about is that we must take on the full armor or full obligations that come with the acceptance of bloodshed by Christ if we, in fact, want to make a difference and see change. You must remember that it states in Ephesians that we are predestined. We are more than conquerors. It says in the word that we are victorious. So if you don't believe that, if you, if you don't believe that we're more than conquerors, if, if you don't believe that we're victorious and you're just too scared and want to be known by name alone, step to the side and let someone who truly believes in what we believe in come to the front. Well, what is it that we believe? What do we believe? We believe that the God of God, the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and Ruler and Maker of all, began in his infinite mind the creation of mankind. He fought a battle in heaven before the human species was yet conceived and pre-planned our escape from this treacherous world before it had yet been created. He won the battle of the great controversy before the feuding was even initiated and gave up his life prior to the forming of any human soul. We believe that we are in fact created in the image of that same magnificent unequivocal power and that we indeed breathe the same breath that has been passed down through the lungs of the ages and centuries. We know that there was an Adam and an Eve. There was a Noah who continued that bloodline. There was David, and then there was Christ, and so on. We believe that Christ rose before he was even on the cross and became an all-power in his hands before they were nailed and became victorious in the Garden of Gethsemane. So if we know all these things, why is it that every time we reap what we have sown, Wake up with fleas. 
fly with the pigeons, find ourselves uncomfortable in a bed that we've made, we blame the devil. If you know all those things, if you know that we breathe the same breath, if you know that we are already victorious, you do something and then blame the devil. It seems to me that there is a gargantuan gap in our faith when we know all these things and give that much authority to a loser. Now, don't get me wrong. Surely we are, are to respect him to some degree and not to taunt him in any way. But when we do not weigh our pros and cons of our, de the pros and cons of our decision-making process, when we backslide at every crossroad, flee to every convenience, and shun at every pitfall, we are making his job a lot easier. We're blame-shifting. Adventist scholar D.E. Reebok's interpretation of Ellen G. White's book, The Gift of Prophecy, says in his book, Believe His Prophets, you and I had nothing to say about our coming into this world. How and where we spend eternity is entirely in our hands and depends wholly upon our own choice. He goes on to say, if you choose to spend eternity in God's everlasting kingdom, then you must bring your life into harmony with God's ways, with his ideals and standards, and with his laws and patterns of living. For he will not change his kingdom to suit your convenience or to conform to your ideas. His is a kingdom of righteousness and of peace and of joy, and if you want to live in God's kingdom, you must be righteous, at peace with God, and man, and full of joy. The first part, you and I had nothing to say. So you and I had nothing to say about our coming into this world. Excuse me, but how we spend our eternity is entirely in our hands and depends wholly upon our own choice. That says to me, no longer can we continue to grovel in the pits of disdain, disbelief of circumstances and disgust. No longer can it be the fault of someone, something or some external condition that causes this apparent discord in our lives. No longer, no longer can we stare in the face of our discomforts and eschew our responsibility for our present state. We must say to ourselves, what must I do to bridge this breach in confidence? What must I do to reconnect my soul to the living body? The dictionary tells us that the word responsibility means a particular burden of obligation upon one who is responsible, accountable for something within one's power, chargeable with being the source of occasion of something, having a capacity for moral decisions and therefore accountable. The word authority in the dictionary means the power to determine, agitate, or otherwise settle issues the right to control, command, or determine. If you don't accept responsibility, if you don't accept authority, then you accept doubt. If you don't believe that we are predestined, if you don't want to be responsible, it means you're uncertain, considered 
questionable, distrust, and suspicious. Let me tell you a little something about the word doubt. Doubt brings about a separation between you and God that causes sweat glands to seep out agonizing blood. You're faced to the wall looking for the writing but blinded by cataracts of guilt. You're walking through the shadows of doubt without a lantern of truth. You're seeking the master's hand but cannot feel your own touch. You're at the depths of the sea with your sin. There's no snow that is white enough. There's no fire that is hot enough to purify this lack that you sense. There's no blood thick enough, no cross heavy enough. You are alone and worried, left behind in the food line and cannot control your fears, thoughts, wants, or desires because doubt has brought you face to face with the devil's objectives. Doubt turns the crown of wooden thorns into an unbreakable steel. The very minute we allow ourselves to doubt who we are and whose we are, we forget what we are. And what we are is a being that Jesus lived for, a creation he died for, and a soul that he rose for. We are a connected, breathing, moving, energetic power. Scientists believe that we are made of the same atoms and matter as the stars and the planets and the sun. We have the same power at our fingertips as did the disciples and the prophets. We are one with humanity, earth, sea, and sky, and Jesus said he wants us to be one with his Father as he is. So it's going to have to be one or the other. Either doubt or responsibility. It's one or the other either blame shifting or authority. It's one or the other. Either I don't know where I'm going or I am that I am. How can we be responsible? Three things really quickly here. Number one, how can you be responsible? Figure out who you are. Are you really a part of the family of God? Not by association, not by hearsay or because you were born an Adventist but because you realize that with every breath you take, you are digesting the equation of divinity and humanity. You are manifesting in every second the victorious triumph of Jesus is coming again. With every tear you shed, you are expressing Jesus, the very thought of him. In every action you are saying aloud, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. In every word you are making evident, tis so sweet to trust in him. My friends and my family, I want you to know that you must know who you are before you can claim victory is mine. Jesus, Savior, pilot me, and in a little while we'll be going home. But where is it that you're going if you don't know who you are? And not only this, not only knowing who you are as far as Christianity is concerned, but who are you just as a human? Who are you in terms of, in terms of your issues? I may upset somebody. Remember my disclaimer. If you have a wandering eye like David, get some help. 
If you have sticky fingers like Ananias and Sephora, stay out of the treasury department. <laughs> if you have a temper like Moses, don't be on any boards. Don't bother. You have problems. You have issues. Identify your issues and fix them. Take some effort and fix them. See, here's the issue. You can pray until you're blue in the face. But until you make a decision, nothing is going to happen. I'm sorry. You can pray all day, all night. You still doing what you want to do? What you want me to do? You've got to make a decision. Take a step forward to get it corrected. Well, Megan, what do you mean? I'll tell you. If this whole thing of the great controversy is about choice, and if we are created in the same likeness, image, mental representation, form, semblance of the almighty God, you better know that your actions have something to do with it. And that praying is not going to be enough. We're on the battlefield. You got to do something. You think the people in Iraq is praying? They got to do something. You have to pray and do something. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit wills us to do. It does not say that it will do in place of our doing. We must accept whatever plights in life we have at this present hour, stare them in the face and fix them. When we place ourselves on the same plateau as those in the Bible days who had their problems, like Abraham, Eli, Jacob, Esau, Jonah, etc., we will see that we are truly greater than the obstacles that we face and that we too can have a chapter in the great book of life entitled After Our Legacy. But we must stop living this facade holding our heads up in pride while our hearts lay way in the pits of our bowels, walking around with an unjustified arrogance while our souls lay emancipated, emaciated at the foot of grace. You and I are the same. I have my problems and you have yours. We need to fix them. Identify that you have a problem first. Accept that you have a problem because you do. Fix it. Number two, how can we be responsible? What? Start doing a pro and con measurement of your decisions. We're making decisions too quickly. Most of the time we make our decisions off of emotions, off of feelings, and our feelings are usually bruised most of the time. If not that, we make our decisions because we're concerned about somebody else, what they may think. I thank God that Jesus wasn't as vain as the Adventist church has become. There are times when we know we should go up to a person directly and clear things up. But we don't do it. We know that we should do something bold that may make us the topic of Sabbath dinner, but we don't do it. We know we need to lay our egos aside and make a certain decision, but we don't do it because we're not looking at the whole picture. How many times do we need to examine six degrees of separation? What you will do will somehow affect me. 
whether it's global warming, invading Iraq, uh, this, this mortgage crisis, shooting somebody at a liquor store, somehow it will trickle down to everyone. Having these disagreements on church boards, not counseling these pastors that need some counseling. Whatever it is that you do or don't do, down the line, we are all going to affect one another. So we must pay attention to the decisions that we make. What would Jesus do has become a funny slogan on t-shirts around the globe. But that question should weigh heavy on our hearts. What would Jesus do? And what would you do differently if you accepted God as your real father and creator? Think about what you would do. Weigh your decisions. Lastly, number three, how can we be responsible? Forgiving ourselves and each other. may sound far-fetched, but if you can't forgive yourself, you will never find someone worthy enough to be forgiven by you. We cannot continue to punish ourselves and others into being a good person. You can whip your child as much as you want, but you're doing nothing but pushing that child further and further down the road of misbehaving or becoming so scared of you that they do everything in, 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 in the closet. You cannot continue to punish each other to make somebody realize something. It doesn't work. It does not work. Only by allowing ourselves an eternal surrender into the empathetic arms of God can we experience our own predestination. It is a sad state in the world today. But it's not because of the barren cabinets in single parents and sometimes two-parent homes. It's not because the economy has left 30 and 40-year tenure workers with no retirement and no solution. It's not just because our young people are soliciting for sex at ages as tender as 10 and 11 years old. It's not because mothers aren't speaking to their daughters and because sons have strayed away from their manhood. It's not just because preachers are finding too much time, too much free time on their hands or because women have become so desperate for attention that even the negative kind will do. No, it's not because of that. It's because we are not practicing what 2 Corinthians 5.18 says. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's why. We're not reconciling each other. We're not praying for each other. Not doing it. If we can't forgive, we cannot move on. This guilt trip that we have laid on ourselves and each other so heavily is causing a gloom over our thoughts and minds so much so that our true, kind, and compassionate nature is swallowed up in its density. We are so mad at things. We're so mad at life, so mad at this person and that person that we are literally growing a distaste for our own existence. We are disappointed that we can't do better or 
get better because of what this person did or what this person said, I can't get over it. And while that person has most likely moved on with their lives, you are self-victimized in your own slums, pitying how upset you are. They moved on. It's not my responsibility is what you say. They should have come to me. That's what you say. Not once. Looking at the part that you may have played in this whole disastrous compilation. So we go back to what Brother Reebok said. If you want to live in God's kingdom, and I believe we all do, you must be righteous, at peace with God and man, and be full of joy. The poet Longfellow writes, if we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find each man's life sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all hostility. End quote. If we continually see ourselves as on the front line alone, we're setting ourselves up for an unbearable failure. We are in this together. And that's how God sees it. God has no respect to person. And I finally realized what that, what that means. He has no respect to person because God knows all of our secrets. He knows our pains and our sufferings. So he doesn't put one above the other because he knows the truth. We are all lying prostrate before his throne. We are all seeking his infinite wisdom. And we all want to be loved not just by God, but by one another. An anonymous writer says, I sought my God and my God I could not see. I sought my soul and my soul eluded me. I sought my brother and I found all three. Evil must be rectified in order to become good. If you believe that, if you, if you believe that we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, then you understand that we are responsible for each other. It must be reconciled. We are connected to each other. We are here for each other, and mostly we can really help save each other. So what am I saying? My family and my, and my friends, we are no longer experiencing the road on Damascus. Our hips are still in place. Our bushes are no longer burning an everlasting flame. Water doesn't turn into wine anymore. We depend wholly on medicinal healing. Why? Because there is so much aloofness between us and our Heavenly Father. God has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It has something to do with us. For that matter, the devil has not changed. It has something to do with us. We must elevate ourselves to our true identity. Recognize that we are a species of divine providence. Acquaint ourselves with the Holy Spirit through meditation and conscious decision evaluation. Relinquish ourselves from the guilt that is keeping us so remote from our distinctiveness. We must love one another as we so desire to be loved. 
We must hold ourselves accountable by the standards in which we have been created. Let us begin to cuddle each other, not just speak to each other. Let us kiss one another, not just recite a name in a random prayer. Hold the hand of the one you fear may hurt you the most. You may find out that the love you so desperately seek will come from them. So as you go, know who you are. Know what you are. Do something outside of your normal conformity and shine some light on a world so dark and needy. Be that image of God he created us to be. Allow someone to see your joy, your peace, your freedom, and your birthright to live as God would have us to live. Let's be responsible for ourselves and each other, not blaming one another or condemning, for there is no condemnation once you've accepted whose you are. Just love. Just love.